know how it was like sending you and Mike <laughs> that text exchange, and yeah. Mike was just like, "Dude, you you deserve a beer and some other stuff, allegedly." But uh, well, now I'm getting my beer and other stuff, and uh, goddamn, that friend Mike of ours—he's a smart guy. He is, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to have him on Garden Variety Perverts sometime. Hell yeah! Do like a tree, a tree, a tree episode special or something. Totally. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, um, Tick Man. We're, Tick do, Man. we're doing it. We're doing an episode What's on Lyme disease. He's working Wait. from home. We're gonna have him on. Yeah, we're gonna have him on. We're gonna do an episode on Lyme disease. Fuck yeah! I haven't talked to him in forever. Yeah, dude. Oh Be excited. man, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last time I saw him was that Halloween party. <laughs> I, rem- Dude, I remember that halloween party oh man that was a good time <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, <laughs> um oh, yeah well dude. as, as dangerous is... as nostalgia is doesn't growing up suck it totally does <laughs> <laughs> why can't we just go back to that night just just once just grad school, but without the student debt and the slavery, basically. Yeah. Why can't we just live around and be able to interact with our friends? God, yeah. isn't capitalism grand? Take classes on interesting stuff and then hang out with our friends and talk yeah. about it while we drink. I love like we do on the show. To, I love having to move somewhere else every seven years because that's just what the market demands. Fucking A. <laughs> Says me, basically the townie. and i've actually moved every seven years basically for the last two decades i've moved a couple times you moved like six miles (laughs) hey dude i lived in wisconsin for a while i lived in chicago for a little bit okay 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 you know yeah you've i've been around around i've I've traveled a little bit you know what (laughs) i talk so much shit about this area i've been a lot of other places Everywhere kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. At least I got people I know and love around me. Yeah. All right, so welcome to the Compost Bin of History, the show where we stick our pitchforks into old ideas and mix them around with the new ones for a nice, even breakdown. Kind of a traditional start for the show there, Jared. Yes. He is Uh, your host, James, and I am his... Co-host, co-host Jared. for now, Jared, uh, aka Dan Rogan, and, and I'm Joe my... Carlin. <laughs> oh shit, we totally fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot we were gonna do that. All right, should we do another take or just roll with it? Let's just roll with it. Yeah. All right. So I'm um, wait. Okay. So I'm. Can I be Joe Carlin? Well, we're not. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're Joe Carlin, and I'm Dan Rogan. <laughs> all right. All right, Dan, what do you got for us? So this is going to be the prologue on a series that we're going to do on the Battle of the Alamo during the Texas Revolution in the 19th century. Now, just to give a little bit of backstory for people who are just finding this episode, uh, this is an episode request that we received from friend of the show, Texas James. Uh, a few weeks back now i had intended to do a one episode 
just kind of like, you know, slap shot battle of the Alamo type address. But as I dug in, I found that there were a lot of layers to this onion, a lot of things that kind of, we need to unpack to really understand not just the battle of the Alamo, but the way that it occupies the, the mental space of Texans and everybody else today. Yeah. And there were at least three Shreks. So there's gotta be at least two of these. battles of the alamo yeah well episodes yeah there's gonna be at least two episodes maybe probably three i think because i think we need to walk it all the way through the battle of san jacinto we're just we're just in line with shrek um yeah there you go all i gotta do now is get eddie murphy on the phone (laughs) all right so uh without further ado this is the prologue to the battle of the alamo Urine is the liquid byproduct of metabolism. (laughs) Yeah, it is. What that means is that as we consume food, water, beer, we basically are using the elements within those uh, resources, the hydrogen, nitrogen, to like power our body's cells. And then when we, we use them, we don't need them anymore, and we excrete them as waste in the form of urine as well as like sweat and feces and that kind of thing. All the stuff that smells so good. Right. Uh, 90% of urine actually is just water H2O. And about 2% of it is THC. (laughs) If you're James. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the rest is inorganic salts and (laughs) things like nitrogen rich proteins. Yeah. Stuff that's going to get you in a lot of trouble at your job. Right. And that, but because it's 90% water, that's why like in a survival situation, you can drink your own urine. It's not like an advisable thing to do because of all those salts and because it's a waste product, but there are actually like whole, you know, new age philosophies built around urine drinking out there. So I guess I shouldn't knock it too much. Yeah, totally not. I thought you called Bear Grylls a waste product for a second there. (laughs) (laughs) That's totally not what we think. (laughs) well i think we're less stroud fans on this show oh dude totally yeah less stroud is an actual like guy that goes out and survives actual survivor man (laughs) my name is bear grills and this is jackass survival (laughs) i'm gonna (laughs) potentially (laughs) i'm gonna potentially die so i can demonstrate this risky behavior while you're in a survival situation (laughs) so yeah you know because urine is mostly water it's really like not that big of a deal. You know, as most like parents out there who are listening and pet <laughs> owners know. bit of history. Drinking your piss, not that big a deal. I mean, I don't do it. Uh, <laughs> but if people do, I'm not like super concerned by it. But I'm not even just say drinking, you know. I'm just saying that, you know, like parents get urine on them all the time. Pet owners get urine on them all the time. If you have a dog, your house is covered in urine. If you have a little oh, boy, yeah. your house covered in urine. Well, everything's covered in urine and feces. Basically, when you think about it, it's It's not a big deal. Um, Yeah. So, uh, all right. That's the first part of our prologue. Uh, 
we'll move on to part two. Everything's shit and piss, and uh, once upon a time, some people fought about some land. Well, and you would think that, like, you know, if some urine got on something, you would be like, hey, you know what? Not that big of a deal. Okay, Just I don't a know that much about the Alamo. Why are we talking about piss so much? All right. John Michael Osborne, <laughs> better known as Ozzy Osborne, rose to fame during the 1970s rock and roll renaissance as lead singer of the English band Black Sabbath. Holy shit, dude. Okay. You want to tell people what shirt I'm wearing right now? Black Lives Matter? Yeah, but it's totally in like the... The Black Sabbath of... font. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I had no idea that you were going to be talking about Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I called this, I, I actually think the 1970s, calling it the rock and roll renaissance is a good way of putting it. Because a lot of people would be like, 70s rock sucks. And I would agree with you. A lot of 70s rock was total shit. Wait, what? But, I mean, compared to the rock and roll of the 60s, and I would even say the 80s, I think the 70s was kind of like, you know, a low point. But... Uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I suppose. I just, when I think 80s, I think hair metal. Well, here's the thing. You know, if we think about like classic rock stations, they're just playing the same 1970s shit over and over again. And they will be for the next. They're playing Nirvana now, dude. How old are you? Okay. Well, there's Nirvana mixed in with still, you know, a bunch of Boston and Foreigner and shit, right? All right. Boston and Foreigner is all right. Here's all I'm saying is like after the Renaissance, the. All that any theater plays is Shakespeare for 500 years, right? Even though a lot of Shakespeare was just like hacky crap that he ripped off of other people. Wasn't Shakespeare not real and also maybe like the lesbian lover of the Queen of England or something? Uh, no, he was a real. He was real and he was a plagiarist. Um, okay. <laughs> and, but what I'm saying is like the 1970s rock and roll is kind of the same way. And that it's going to be played on classic rock stations for 500 years, even though it wasn't particularly good. It's just catchy, right? So drug abuse plagued Black Sabbath, particularly in the later 1970s. <laughs> I'm just going to let that subjective viewpoint pass by me as fact like James is presenting it. Well, I'll explain um, you know, how this kind of became manifest. So... Um, particularly on the 1978 tour, uh, never say die, which was an ironic tour name because black Sabbath would die the next year in the never say die tour. Black Sabbath was actually had, um, a hot young band opening for them by the name of Van Halen and reviewers of the shows noted that, uh, black Sabbath seemed tired and uninspired compared to the youthful Van Halen in their sets. Well, yeah, they hadn't been doing drugs as long yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so this this culminates... I'm sure Black Sabbath was tired and uninspired. They were all fucking spun out for like seven years at that point. Well, and uh, yeah, they talked about how uh, when they were trying to record the album before the Never Say Die tour, that they were basically just spun out on on dope. They called it dope, but what they were talking about is heroin, right? Yeah. Okay. You're trying to say that the 70s was like the most lame time for rock and roll? I will argue that it is the coolest time to be in a rock and roll band. Absolutely, yes. Uh, <laughs> no argument here. So... 
Yeah, like, you know, Tony Iommi, the guitarist for Black Sabbath, talked about how... Famously has all of his fingers. <laughs> uh, just trying to get into the studio and record tracks was a real problem because they were all strung out on so much heroin. And Ozzy Osbourne was kind of, you know, like they're all doing drugs by their own volition, right? But Ozzy was in some ways an instigator for a lot of this. Yeah, he was like the Charles Manson of Black Sabbath. A little bit. Um, but and it's actually that's a that's a pretty good comparison because Ozzy Osbourne had a really tough life. Yeah. Uh, he was he was um, basically from a working class family that grew up. Ozzy in Ozzy Osbourne is one of like a zillion ex- examples of hurt people, hurt people. Absolutely, yeah. He was from a working class family in Birmingham. Uh, he went to a like through the English pu- Birmingham. It's he went through Birmingham, the English school Alabama, system. It's Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he went through the English school system, which in the 1970s was like notoriously abusive. And in fact, he was sexually abused by bullies at school when he was 11. Dude, that's the thing about like the history of like the 70s, especially in Britain. It's just everybody, literally every kid is being raped. Oh, that would have been back in the 60s. But yeah, same difference, right? But yeah, and of course, one of the things that correlates with like early childhood trauma is later in life drug abuse. And that in some way kind of helps to explain why Ozzy kind of became this bigger than life personality. Not even that later in life, just when you're older than nine after you get molested. Right. So he dropped out of school when he was 15, started working a bunch of like, you know, manufacturing type jobs and whatever. Obviously that's not good. He ends up stealing, he gets in trouble and he got arrested and um, was gonna he basically was gonna spend six weeks in prison. His dad could have bailed him out when he was like sixteen years old, but his dad Dude. didn't bail him out to teach him a lesson. So he ended up spending six weeks in a correctional facility at the age of sixteen. So like shit back then sucked a lot. It still kind of does a little bit, but <laughs> I don't know if everything's gonna suck anyway. It could at least be interesting. And by the way, so you know. With the with the founding of Black Sabbath, it's actually really interesting because you probably already know this, Jared, but our listeners might not. Um, Ozzy Osbourne went to the same high school as Tony Iommi, the guitarist, and he was actually one year behind uh, uh, Tony. And they always like had antipathy for each other. When Ozzy showed up to be interviewed to be in Black Sabbath. Tony was like, oh, it's this fucking guy. It's this annoying kid that I knew from school and essentially walked out on the first day. Yeah, I mean, they're realized. fucking they're music scene kids. They're just so dramatic and moody and like, yeah. oh, I hate this guy that I see every day. <laughs> Right. So after their tired and uninspired performance in the Never Say Die tour in 1978, Ozzy Osbourne gets fired. When they're from like Black millionaires Sabbath. and world famous, and they're 26, <laughs> they're living fast. Yeah. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne gets fired from Black Sabbath in April of 1979. Mainly, you know, for a lot of different reasons interpersonal conflict with the band but his drug abuse no, was he definitely got fired a he got fired for being ozzy osbourne right so after he gets fired 27th of april 1979 ozzy osbourne got 
his payout was 96,000 British pounds sterling for his share of the name Black Sabbath. In 1980? In, yeah, 1980. And I actually checked. That's about uh, roughly two or $300,000 American today. So not like millions of dollars, not enough to like retire on, but not an insignificant amount of money either. Yeah, I don't know, though, man, with like housing prices, how they were back then and everything, probably enough to retire, basically. Well, it was just enough money to buy a lot of drugs. Well, (laughs) yeah, you can retire if you don't buy a lot of drugs. So here's to quote Ozzy Osbourne after he got his $96,000 or pound buyout. He said, I just locked myself away and spent three months doing coke and booze. Sounds like a fun three months. Well, here's the thing. He thought that it was going to be his last party. He thought it was the last good times he'd have in his life because, and this is another quote, he thought that after that, he was going to be back on the dole in Birmingham. Oh, God. Wouldn't that suck to have a dole? Well, and this is, I wanted to talk a little bit about this because the dole is basically the British version of unemployment. It's unemployment insurance. So... Ozzy gets his 96,000. He's like, you know, basically, you know, everything that his life has been has been to not has been to not at that point. Doesn't the name the dole come from like ancient corn dole. Rome? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I thought so. And so he thought he was just going to end up back back home and back on unemployment. And which is important to point out because that's where they had started out from. A lot of these big musical groups, particularly out of Britain in this time period, started out on unemployment. Yeah. So have this is critical to point out. Having a system to support people when they're unemployed leads to creativity, growth, yeah. and you know, awesome fun stuff like Black Sabbath, and just like unquenchable thirst for drugs. The conservatives and maybe are some right. Cool podcasts. <laughs> Wait. Oh, for you? Yeah. <laughs> totally. I was like, wait a minute. I'm not on unemployment. I wish I was. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> dude this time's so fucking weird like everybody i know is either unemployed or uncomfortable about talking about how miserable they are in their job because all the rest of their friends don't even have a job yeah no i exactly <laughs> it's for young people with, it's fucking with my head man and not even just for young people for like a lot of like baby boomers study yeah are you kidding yeah. me i am in the best financial position of anyone in my family and it's scary yeah yeah well i'm about to lose my dole so we'll see what happens to the podcast uh um, well it sounds like your band is up in smoke there cheech are you gonna fire me jared for uh, abhorrent drug use <laughs> <laughs> no i'm gonna encourage you to use drugs <laughs> all right so 1979 Ozzy's locked away he's bummed out he's got $96,000 worth of cocaine and booze oh I'm a world famous rock star and all I got now is all this money and all these drugs (laughs) well you're making fun of him you're making fun of him but you know for him in that situation everything was really terrible right well yeah but goddamn, man I mean, he's he's a he's a scarred person already, right? Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I get. It. I'm just saying he is a very successful scarred person. But when whenever you know you're mixing uppers and downers, cocaine and booze, I think that's a sign that you're 
you're pretty ready to fly you know, a plane. Well, I was going to say fucked in the head. Like at that. Oh, if, no, you're, yeah. if you're mixing them up, like what fucked in the head. Well, you're depressed. I think like, you know, I don't what, know. What if you're mixing uppers and downers? I don't, it's not a good thing to do. I think you want to well, go okay. one way or the other. Okay. I feel like you're maybe, is there a time and a place? I don't know. Yeah, obviously. Like when you just got fired from Black Sabbath. Well, you like go all puritanical now because Ozzy Osbourne is drinking some booze while he's doing some coke? Well, yeah, I, you know, I think that mixing uppers and downers is a blasphemy in the face of, you know, God's no, granted drugs. No, it's fun and it's fine, but you can't be doing it if you're the most depressed you've ever been. He was an addict. We're saying that depression and addiction are complicated and don't exist outside of a class context. Can that, yeah. is that a safe conclusion here? Totally. But also, as history has shown us time and again, if you become the most successful, depressed person with a substance abuse issue, you might just be the biggest fucking star on the planet. Instead of ending up back on the <laughs> dole in Birmingham, actually Black Sabbath producer Don Arden sent his daughter, Sharon, to straighten Ozzy out. And, of course, Sharon would, would end up becoming Ozzy Osbourne. I was going to say, she straightened him out right away, it sounds like. Yeah. He was mighty straight and rigid when he saw Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> so the result of this is 1980s Blizzard of Oz. The result of this is the fucking view. <laughs> Megan McCain exists because of Ozzy Osbourne. Oh God, I don't even want to think about that, dude. It's true. <laughs> Ozzy, the Dark Prince strikes again. <laughs> dude, is his ass dead yet, or is he just like looking like the Crypt Keeper still? Oh no, he's fine. Yeah, he's dude, those pictures of him with like not his hair dyed and shit. Mm -hmm. I was just, I don't know. I was just like, fuck yeah, dude. Ozzy's out here getting it. He's got, like, visible thrombosis in his legs. I think he's smoking like... hella weed. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? Dude, Ozzy won. He should have died in this time period we're talking about right now. Well, let's let's just iron this out, Jared. I just want to put myself out there. I'm going to say I'm pro-Ozzy. Fuck yeah, I'm pro-Ozzy. Okay, okay. How could you not? I literally bought this Black Lives Matter <laughs> t-shirt from Ozzy Osbourne. Well, I just don't want it to seem like we're being too critical, you know, like we do on other people like Joe Biden, you know, like. What? I've, I'm critical of the people I love all the time. Absolutely. But we're not, not as critical as we are yeah. on Joe Biden. Like we put Ozzy above Joe. Right? I don't like want him. I'm not like trying to degrade his character. I'm yeah. talking about like the man he is. Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to do this, because this is interesting stuff. Right. Yeah, I have no fucking clue what this has to do with the Alamo. Okay. <laughs> All right, let me find where I was. All right. So, yeah, the result of Ozzy Osbourne getting his shit back together is this kind of like musical collaboration project that he spearheads called Blizzard of Oz, which was a name that actually his father had come up with several years prior when he was first considering a solo career. Dude, that is the most cocaine name for like a... I, I just don't know. That is the most cocaine title I've ever heard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he was doing a lot of coke. He was doing a lot yeah. of coke, too. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> but there's actually, this is kind of interesting because, of course, 
Black Sabbath would replace Ozzy Osbourne as lead singer with Ronnie James Dio of the band yeah. Rainbow. Holy diver. Exactly. <laughs> um, actually, I can put this stuff in and post. Can we hear a sample of Holy Holy Diver, please, Future James? Holy Diver, you can come but it's it's interesting though because the other members of rainbow um specifically bassist bob bob daisley and um keyboardist oh, well, fuck, don airy they As would join blizzard of oz no one gives a shit what the bassist says well what i'm no 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 but Actually, Bob Daisley, the bassist, would go on to co-write uh, much of the the work on Blizzard of Oz. He actually oh, was yeah. a huge contributor to that. Totally, he's a bassist. He's the only one that knows how to play his instrument correctly, probably. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> as a bassist yourself, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know how to do that, but I need to learn how to do that. <laughs> well, um, so Rainbow gives gives Ronnie James Dio to Black Sabbath, and then. Bob Daisley and Don Airy to Blizzard of Oz, kind of incidentally. And those two, Bob Daisley and Don Airy, had worked with Lee Kerslake of Uriah Heep previously. Uriah and Heap. Um, as that's the, seen drum, in, the drums. Yeah, as seen in every bargain bin of every record store and thrift shop. Yeah, I don't even know a Uriah Heep song, I'm sad Dude, to say. Dude, I've I, seen I so many album covers of theirs, like... But really, the power of Blizzard of Oz, and I would say the real talent in Blizzard of Oz, wasn't even Ozzy Osbourne, but was Randy Rhodes of Quiet Riot on guitar. getting dangerously close to hair metal territory now <laughs> i'm gonna have to shut it down pretty quick here. bear with me jared this is about the alamo you do you say that do you respect the brave texans who fought and died on that day in 1836 man probably not i actually think <laughs> i actually think i probably am with the revolutionaries <laughs> they were the revolutionaries you'd be with the mexican federal police then yeah <laughs> i think i'm with the mexican federal police well i this is pertinent this is very important for your libertarian revolutionaries event. right actually they were central you know we're going to talk about all that when we get to it jared you're trying to jump too far <laughs> ahead by which i mean well, you're trying to jump too far backward in the story talk about hair metal too much and i'm just gonna try to derail this as much as possible so we get Randy Rhodes from Quiet Riot, who really is the powerhouse in Blizzard of Oz. But despite finding new success, Ozzy Osbourne's drug abuse continued. And then I have a little side. Or perhaps perhaps because of new success, his drug abuse continued. I think that's something we should consider as well. I, he probably was going to do it either way. He just had more ability to because it was a success. And in mid-February 1982, Blizzard of Oz on tour went to San Antonio, Texas. 
Hell yeah. Blizzard of Oz, um, on the morning of their show, which was going to be at the Hemisphere Arena Convention Center in San Antonio, they were staying in downtown San Antonio across from the historic Alamo Plaza, which is where the site of the Battle of the Alamo. Roughly, you know, that would have been 100, 150 years prior at that point. Um, and on the morning of the show, the 18th of February, 1982, Ozzy Osbourne went on a drinking binge. That included him firing his whole band because he thought he was in charge of it. Man. He wasn't. So, yeah, kind of an asshole, right? Like, well, Yeah, kind of an asshole, but damn, dude. He used to just be able to be like a... I don't even know what you'd call it. Like a drunk and out of control, and it was like kind of pissed people off, but also like it wasn't that big of a deal. A little bit endearing, I guess, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's just Ozzy again, pissing everybody off. Well, and that's the thing. It was He ineffectively fired his band because they were all like, you're just a drunk asshole. And yeah, they're all like, yeah, sure, we're fucking, we're fucking yeah. fired, Ozzy. Right. Go to sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to do the rest of your coke, and uh, the strippers are on you tonight, you fucking asshole. <laughs> band practices at 930. Be there. <laughs> so, um, aware of Ozzy's propensity for self-harm, uh, Sharon, still ardent at this point, yet not yet Sharon Osborne, hid Ozzy's clothes that morning to keep him inside the hotel there in downtown San Antonio, ideally to keep him from getting into more trouble. Now, if you're Sharon, what are the odds you think this is going to work? Because you've been around Ozzy for a little while now. You know <laughs> that there's like a non-zero chance he'll just gonna be like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need clothes. I'll walk with my willy hanging. I gotta get to band practice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what he did is he put on one of Sharon's own dresses and wandered out into the San Antonio streets in the early afternoon. See, dude, if Ozzy and fucking uh, Iggy Pop. So if Ozzy and Iggy Pop have taught us anything, it's that the more drugs you do and then eventually put on a dress, the more likely you are to succeed in life. Uh, You know what? And Kurt Cobain. Yep. There you go. I mean, do do a lot of drugs and piss everyone off and hit rock bottom and then put on a dress. I think they all had some, like, musical talent, too. This probably related to other factors. Well, (laughs) there's all kinds of people with, (laughs) with musical talent. There's only a few people that have been just, like, the most frustrating drug addicts you can imagine but I think what we're talking about here, this is the this is the context this is the context of material history, right? It's not just having one thing. It's not be- that you're you know addicted to drugs, which could ruin your life. It's not that you have amazing musical talent, which could win your life. It's that you have the specific um, sequence of bullshit, whether good or bad, that just interlocks with these different opportunities and um, or pitfalls as you move through the material world, right? And sometimes that ends up as a great success in spite of all your problems. Sometimes it ends up as a miserable failure in spite of all your um, ability. Yes, but the important thing to to remember is that whichever one of those two choices happens, it was all due to free will. No, that's the opposite of what I said. (laughs) No, no, free will. 
I mean, there's some free will in there, I think, in that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You just have to go out there and, you know, um, interact with things, right? Oh, I guess I would argue that there's, like, not a such thing as free will. A topic for a future episode, for sure. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a really good thing to, to investigate. I used to think that, but I've come to the other conclusion, and I think that there is free will. I don't think that All most right. people have it or use it most of the time. Well, but I think that it doesn't as exist. with most of my opinions, I have it right now, and I think it's a good thing to have right now. <laughs> yeah. But I might come across something that makes me think it's a good idea to change that. Well, I don't want to say that, you know, Ozzy Osbourne just through dumb luck fell into success. I think that he probably made some decisions along the way. Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't mean way. to say that. Yeah, but at the same time... Like you're saying, a lot of it is just the, you know, happenstance material interaction of the world. Yeah. That you just happen to meet the right person on the right the day. Math who of likes the universe your doesn't make whatever. sense. There's no proofs for it. Right. You might be able to be the most like frustrating, crippling drug addict ever, but have just enough charisma and voice mm-hmm. to also be like one of the most famous people on the planet. Right. Or you might have those exact same tendencies and just have a little bit less charisma and you are just the homeless guy washing people's windows. Right. Yeah. Even yeah. if you have a good voice. Mm-hmm. And and again And that I, is why social safety nets are social safety nets are immoral. <laughs> because we need to let all of those people that didn't get lucky die. All right, just to be, can we just we get really we get really sarcastic sometimes. <laughs> All right, I think sometimes so, we need to just be on. like, I'm like okay. being sarcastic on top of being sarcastic. I feel like I'm arguing against myself here. That's what I'm saying. There's too many layers of sarcasm here. I think Sorry. we just need to make All a right. statement. All right, I'm done. For a completely second. honestly, what we're saying is that <laughs> you know, yeah, social safety nets are good because this is a bunch of random bullshit. And if we can support people who might have innate talent and abilities then they're more likely to express that by forming more cool rock bands. Yeah. So Ozzy Osbourne stumbles out into the early San Antonio afternoon. God, can you imagine how he smelled? Well, and you know when you've been drinking a lot (laughs) and you've been sitting down for a while? Oh, yeah, dude. I call it uh, like breathing rocket fuel because (laughs) you just, yeah. But when you've been like drinking a lot, you've been sitting down, you haven't been moving around, then you get up and you go outside, immediately you gotta piss, right? Oh yeah. You gotta you gotta expel some of your what do I call it? Um liquid byproduct of metabolism. I feel like you're asking me right now because I actually have to do that. I mean you can, yeah, we can pause if you want for sure. <laughs> All yeah. right. Are you enjoying Man. this one, Jared? Dude, what the hell? You know, I was saying like I had a rough week. Yeah. I mean, it was fucking sucked. Okay. But, uh, I think part of it is that we haven't fucking done this in a little bit, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I know we were like talking about how we needed a break at the same time. I don't know. I feel like in a certain manner, this is like, uh, the way that I get to, most easily be myself without anyone fighting back against me for it. 
Oh, I'll fight back against you, Jared. Yeah, but not uh, not in like uh, yeah. I don't even know. Not in like a, in a living way. living in this fucking world that we've created for ourselves. Way. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, I totally understand, man. No, this. You know, we talked a little bit about doing for the for our listeners. We talked a little bit about doing an episode on suicide, but then we realized we had actually done that episode. The Cameron Peak. <laughs> We the, pretty the much Colorado did, uh, wildfires. The whole episode was about suicide. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Everything fucking sucks. Like, I laugh a lot and make a lot of jokes and shit. Like, on an average day, I'm relatively miserable and have been that way my entire life, basically. Like, I've been telling James recently that, like, I've had, like, three to four weeks of feeling good consecutively. And I'm pretty certain that that's never been true in my entire life before. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. Coronavirus, it's, it's fucking with a lot of shit. It's fucking with my head, you know. Um, it's not really... fucking with my head. It like coronavirus has made me like kick my depression and anxiety because finally, like I, I always knew that things were not right, and I always knew that things were kind of absurd but like dude so i i told you i haven't really been paying attention to politics or anything i have been paying attention to rudy giuliani um i've just been literally like witnessing him on television and it seems like it's worse than the clip that i saw on borat (laughs) like he's getting even fucking crazier now at a certain point how can you allow these people to make you sad? To to talk about the Giuliani thing, I think we can compare <laughs> like the drugged out rock stars, you know, as they age to people like Giuliani and Trump, you know, um, even Biden know, and Clinton and Obama. I mean, we're going to look at like the politicians, politicians are getting way wilder than the rock stars are in their later years. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the rock stars who do a bunch of drugs. I'm thinking like Ozzy Osbourne, Keith Richards, like they get seem to they seem to age very gracefully is the thing. If they don't die when they're young, well, they age all at once. Like they turn 61 when they're 38. Uh huh. And then they're just 61 until they're 100. (laughs) (laughs) It's what it seems to happen. (laughs) Right. So Ozzy had been drinking all morning, finding the need to relieve himself as he got up and walked around in the San Antonio afternoon. He saw a nearby large stone marker. I can relate to this because when I was in college... I would go out yeah, I'm drinking. Always just shit face trying to piss in the desert. Well, I would go out drinking on a Saturday night in bars, and then I'd have to walk back to my dorm room. And I would invariably have to stop and pee somewhere. And I would always pick churches. I peed on like half the churches in Shadron. All right. Partly because, you know, kind of a quieter area, not like one that would likely be looked after quite as tightly. And also because I'm not a religious person and I kind of think it's funny. <laughs> I mean, so, not a religious person is a bit of an understatement. 
but uh, I think that, out, you know, shout out to Will and Carpenter, a couple of listeners. I believe they're <laughs> in Shadron right now. Oh, nice. All right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, I think it was like the, the first Lutheran on third street, really nice dark area to pee on. So <laughs> check that out. Well, check they that said out, they guys. were hitting up a bar. Yeah, there you go. So it's nearby. Uh, cause there's only like three bars um, <laughs> and they're all on the same street. But yeah, I can, I think that when you're drunk though, you know, you kind of have a naturally oppositional view to society and standards of decency and conduct. Well, I feel like society has that view at you also. Exactly. You, like when you might just, (laughs) again, this is part of the thing with historical materialism is that's how like societal superstructure kind of like influences behavior and dialectically gives rise to opposition. Because being wasted is like a, a pagan pastime it's we a big fuck you to ordered civil yeah society. we can't have that shit under protestantism right uh and That's so you see something like a church unproductive you see something like a monument and you think i might i might just go pee on that totally i've pissed on the floyd monument in sioux city so many times So that's what Ozzy did. He saw a large monument across Alamo Plaza from him, and he went and he peed on it. Now, that monument happened to be the Alamo Cenotaph. This is a monument that's across from the historic eponymous Alamo Mission. Okay. Where the battle actually occurred, this is a monument that's across from that. A lot of people mistakenly believe that Ozzy Osbourne peed on the Alamo, the mission, the building. He did not. This was on the monument constructed in honor of the event okay this was on the symbol not the physical object that's an important thing to understand does it matter either way i would say no but ozzy osbourne was arrested yeah you know prince i want to talk about the cenotaph prince releases purple rain everyone loves it ozzy osbourne releases yellow rain and everyone (laughs) has a huge problem with it i don't understand you know well, what he what he peed on <laughs> was the Alamo cenotaph. So a cenotaph, ceno dictate meaning. Dude. You know how much like I almost romantically want to be just a ridiculous alcoholic rock star that could just like <laughs> piss. He basically is like pissing on nine eleven in nineteen eighty six or whatever, and like a bunch of rednecks are getting upset, and he's just like what. I fucking, I get drunk, I piss on things. It's no big deal. Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, I turned him into like an Italian guy there. But like, (laughs) literally, Ozzy Osbourne is just pissing. Yeah. Like he has a thousand times, except for this time, it happens to be on this thing that people care about. And again, not the actual Alamo. This is on the symbol of the Battle of the Alamo. Who cares? Either way. No, let me explain, okay? A ceno- <laughs> this is a fun vocabulary. Oh, no, I mean, uh, these monuments are uh, very important. Um, the Battle of the Alamo, um, that was a very serious thing. And uh, both sides had very valid disagreements and claims to what they were fighting for. So we shouldn't at all ridicule the concept of uh, battle or... Uh, taking land from other groups of people are you beginning to see why i'm starting the series with ozzy osbourne (laughs) the most uh 
simultaneously like illuminating and ridiculous figure when the alamo comes up no you have very mysterious ways i no this is just addressing this theme which is you know why are people obsessed with the alamo why did this relatively minor event become such a big deal the alamo come on no one talks about the alamo anymore fuck this 9-11 well james requested the it. alamo is like the 9-11 of 2000 of night of 1836 well i mean like basically in 2000 people still talked about the alamo then yeah. 9-11 happened and no one talks about the alamo anymore well i think now in terms it's of like scale i think i think Pearl that's a good Harbor, comparison I think Pearl Harbor has dethroned the Alamo of relatively obscure old thing that we still care about. Like it was the Alamo and then it was Pearl Harbor and then it was 9-11. And now since 9-11 came along, there can only be two. But why do we care when we say we care about something like the Alamo or 9-11? What we're saying is not that we care about some kind of individual event or sequence of actions when it's not like the defense of the chapel or you know the fact that david bowie got killed oh no that's not why we say we remember the the alamo well it sucks that david bowie died but it didn't change the world well the the thing is with the alamo the events itself did not so much change the world as the way the events are perceived by history Okay, it's the so narrative that's another around way of it. saying that it changed the world. Exactly. But it's the narrative <laughs> around it. It's the symbol of the Alamo and not anything that actually happened at the Alamo that is important. Well, obviously, and, it's always the symbol. But this is something that's very important for us to get at when we talk about historical materialism, is that it's not always just about the material object. Material objects oh, give no. rise. Symbols are extremely important. Yes, material objects give rise to symbolic objects, and those have material effects. So that's why you have to understand the whole history of the Alamo through Ozzy Osbourne's peeing on a monument for it, not even on the Alamo itself. So the Alamo cenotaph. Cenotaph is a fun vocabulary word. Ceno, dictating 100. um, Taff, meaning... Uh, monument it's a hundred year monument so a hundred years after the alamo happened which was in 1836 in 1936 the alamo cenotaph was commissioned to honor the people who fought and died in the defense of the alamo mission dude i think i'm against monuments i'm with you although i like the balls of yarn you know like the biggest ball of yarn that's kind of a fun monument that's a tourist trap that's not a monument I'm just saying, why why the fuck are we, like, lionizing these things that happened 100 years ago? Yeah. It was 100 <laughs> years ago. You know? It's Who not gives that a important. fuck? Yeah. You know? Everybody that wants to be like, well, actually, the Constitution... Actually, they- Jared... You just, you just identified it. You just said, who gives a fuck? And in 1936, in Texas, who gives a fuck about commemorating a historic defeat where everyone died. Wait. What's the objective there in commemorating that with a monument in 1936? Uh, 
showing Mexicans their place? Well, I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm... That's that was a big trend at the time. Was racism, right? Xenophobia, so nationalism. You're telling me that this is all because El Paso exists. I'm just saying that when we think about how these narratives arise, that we can yeah. So this you know, is say, what are the broad undercurrents? Like, okay. Yeah. So what you're telling me is the the fucking Alamo happened in 1836. Mm-hmm. In like 18. 18- 76 no one really gave a shit about it again no way. and then in 1936 that's when people started giving a fuck about it again yeah right around the time when hitler was praising the united states <laughs> for their treatment of like indigenous people and black people and uh and the handicapped yeah, yeah. anyone that was not the master race right so more Man. important yeah, more important than what happened remember how at the, the Greeks, Alamo. Remember how the Greeks used to say that like time is a circle and everything <laughs> just keeps happening? Man, what the fuck were those guys talking about? <laughs> Clearly, so, that's not what's happening. So, yeah, uh, l- l- let me finish up with Ozzy here. Man, we need to fucking get these San Pedro cactuses so we can get <laughs> ourselves some Elysian Mysteries. Because the more I learn about fucking life and history, the more I hate the Romans for extinguishing Greek fucking thought. Oh, man. I wish Diogenes were around today. Just a bunch of fucking diesel pickups running over university campuses. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Everything is just a fucking sequel. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> Ozzy got arrested because he peed on the Alamo cenotaph. Uh, oh wait, I was I was I wasn't even done with the cenotaph. So Is this he was on the commission. sex offender registry then for peeing in a public place? Um, he didn't. Is he that got off another lucky on absurd one. thing that happened? He got off lucky there. But the, so the cenotaph had been commissioned in 1936. It was made out of rock quarried in Texas and Georgia. It cost a hundred thousand dollars, and it was completed in 1940. All right. Um, and it's quite impressive to look at if you look at a picture of it. <laughs> it's impressive but, to look at, not to think about. But in fact, it's actually wrong. Many of the names listed on the cenotaph were people who history has shown or further research has shown weren't even actually at the Battle of the Alamo. And in fact, <laughs> other people, other people who weren't listed on the monument were oh, there, man. in fact. So fucking conservatives and they're just absurd absurd fucking projection (laughs) literally like simultaneously putting fake people on the alamo remembrance thing and then trying to convince people that yeah dead people voted for the people they don't like and and also this period 1936 to 1940 this is another check in the greek fucking paradigm here (laughs) literally everything just everything happens every like a hundred years i mean this could this could definitely be in like some drama of the you know peloponnesian war or something right dude <sighs> so uh, this is the time period that i though. used to be so sad about things this is the time <laughs> period that a lot of those monuments that people are like tearing down were going up you know all the monument you know furor of the last several years a lot of them were being put up in this 1936 to 1940 period which was a time of kind of the retrenchment of racism after the New Deal came into effect in American society. 
Yes, also seen in 2016 as they were putting up and trying to get people to not tear down more racist statues. You know, like 70 years after civil rights. Right. Okay, so what happened to Ozzy? Well, he was released that day. He got arrested, but he was released that day, so he could, basically so he could play the show that night. Honestly, it probably was a good thing because he probably sobered up a little bit in prison. It's a good place to get sober. He was fined $40, by the way. The, ba- the main punishment for Ozzy in Blizzard of Oz was that he personally was banned from the city of San Antonio for 10 years. Um, because of his treatment of the Alamo Cenotaph. And, you know, not that hard if you're not from Texas, I guess. But I suppose for a musician, San Antonio is probably a big stop. It could lead to some, you know, limited opportunity. But there's plenty of other places that would love to have Ozzy Osbourne, I'm sure. I was going to say, for somebody like Ozzy, I'm pretty sure it doesn't matter if he can't go to San Antonio. I will say, though, that in 1992, when his 10-year ban was up, he did go back uh, to San Antonio, played two shows there, apologized publicly, and I think he even made like a $10,000 donation to the Daughters of the Texas Revolution, the society that upkeeps this monument. So, you know, he, he tried to make amends with the people of San Antonio. And so I think we've already kind of addressed my last setup here, which was that why did the people of San Antonio get so upset about some urine on a dumb statue? How the idea of things are more important than the things themselves. But what we're going to talk about in this series are the actual events leading up to the battle of the Alamo and the aftermath and what happened with Texas as a result of the battle of the Alamo. Why is it such a big object in the fascination of Texans? And I'm going to hopefully, uh, this is an invitation. Hopefully Texas James will come on for the last episode and he can he can evaluate he can criticize us, Hell evaluate yeah. us, and tell us if we did a good job or not, or if we offended his people. Yeah, come on, Texas James, we're messing with Texas. Come show us why we shouldn't do that. <laughs> so uh, this should be fun. I think this will be a fun series. And just to to finish setting it up, the thing to understand about Texas is that it went from Mexico to independent to U.S. state. And I think that that transitional process by itself kind of Wait, shows. Wait, what type of Mexican though? Like, well, we're actually talk about that. like, like Mexican Latinx, or, or like was it German ruled indigenous people? Well, it was both, and we're going to talk about how that mixture and then shift in ideology occurred, and about how illegal immigrants from America crossing the border into Mexico actually led to lots of problems for for their state and destabilized. Back when uh, we might have built a wall and maybe Mexico would have actually paid for it. Well, Mexico was the one, the one who wanted to build the wall and get America to pay for it. That would have been the, the deal there. And they should have because we ended up taking a lot of Mexico. They probably should have just kept us out of there because then I they'd mean, still we- have... They still have For all intents and purposes, and... we basically own Mexico. So, well, in a literal sense, like a whole bunch of America used to be Mexico, like California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, a good chunk of Colorado, Wyoming, and Utah, and even Idaho oh, yeah. used to be Mexico. 
And this, the events of the Alamo, and I think this also speaks to why the Alamo lean, leans large, not just in the imagination of Texans, but all Americans. It's that reason that this will lead to the cessation of 1848 of all these Mexican lands, not just Texas. That's a big reason why the Alamo is, a, is an important event in all of our ideas. And this was also happening in 1848? What? The Mexican Revolution. No, that was when America basically said, all of this is ours now. And if you want to do something about it, send an army. I see. (laughs) And they were like, BRB, uh, shit's going down in Europe. Yeah. Well, and this also then even led to an additional land seizure, albeit as a purchase, um, the Gadsden Purchase, when the final little bit of like southern Arizona and New Mexico uh, got sold to Mexico in the later 19th century. But Man, a lot what? of the, a lot of the Alamo comes down to a land acquisition. It's basically back to Europa universalis, but for America, what a different time. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this, honestly, you can think of it as like you're playing EU four and you get a, um, big chunk of your neighbor state, your powerful neighbor state to go independent. You foment revolution amongst one of their smaller republics within them. They go independent. They fight a war. You help them in the war. And then after a few years, they become your puppet vassal state. And then you just absorb them and annex them. And then you use that power you gained to then take over more big chunks of that neighbor neighboring state. All right. I'm pretty sure that is why you're not supposed to call it the, Ukra- the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you just said. Uh, that this is just basically cold, heartless realpolitik. And we come up with things like the Alamo to, to sugarcoat it, right? To justify it in, in, the, in the afterwards. That's, that's going to be the big takeaway. I probably shouldn't have said that. I, I just basically ended the whole series right there. Well, it's a good thing you have the power of editing. <laughs> Should, I might, I might actually need to edit all that out because I, think, or at least clip it and then be like, "What did I say?" I, <laughs> I can get with that. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, so so that's where we're going with it. What do you think, Jared? About what? Uh, are we kind of wrapping up here? Yeah, I don't know. Excited for more Alamo stuff. Oh, definitely. Hear about but, Bowie Crockett. I was going to say, are we going to be talking about Bowie? Yeah, we're going to talk about David oh, Bowie. Oh, Jim Bowie, right? <laughs> no, yeah, it's Jim Bowie. <laughs> yeah. And Davy Crockett. Did you toy with my heartstrings? <laughs> I know with the whole Aussie thing, it would kind of make sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that I wore this shirt not knowing that you were going to start talking about fucking Black Sun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's our prologue. On... I don't know. I got nothing else, dude, uh, except for just life was fucking hard this week. Not just for me. It seemed like for a lot of people. Sometimes it's hard to deal with that shit. But yeah. uh, the more you start feeling like that, I feel like the more you need to find a distraction. And uh, as we suggested in our last episode, I think gardening should probably be that distraction. Yeah. Do some gardening. Do some gorilla gardening. Got a public space. Go uh, yeah. allegedly plant a plant on it. Yeah, if there's two things that I enjoy in this life, it is planting seeds and breaking the law. And uh, if you can <laughs> accomplish both of those simultaneously, why wouldn't you? 
Hell yeah. Well, uh, do not, we've been... Do, okay, hold on. Retraction. Do not plant invasive species. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they don't need any help. If you're going to be planting plants willy-nilly, please figure out what you're doing first. <laughs> I mean, a lot of uh, seed suppliers will sell native seed mixes for, like, seed seed bombs that you can throw around your, your landscapes. Yeah, do that. Yeah. And then figure out how to make your own seed bombs because it's not that hard. No, no. But yeah, send in your history, environment, science, or gardening-related questions and comments yeah. to at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everyone. We've been the composters, Dan Rogan and Joe Carlin. And uh, we'd just like to... Where are you Say, eating anyway? Uh, Viva Mexico. Oh, peanuts, dude. Oh, okay. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Viva Mexico. Yeah. Viva Mexico. Thanks for all the land. <laughs> so long. So long and thanks for all the land. For all the land.